is Fesad This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus-Cheek and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. Hello and welcome back to London is Blue. Chelsea get their first WSL points on the board with a 2-0 win over Manchester City as Emma Hayes makes it 10 victories from 11 over Gareth Taylor at a sunny King's Meadow. I am joined, as usual, by Abdullah Abdullah. Abdullah, it's it's a better Monday today, isn't it? Oh, 100%. I think I think we're all in a, in, in, in a joyful mood, buoyant, inspired, other synonyms for doing well. So, you know, you couldn't ask for a better start to the week than it was last week. And I am also delighted to say that we are joined by football journalist for The Times, Molly Hudson. Molly, thank you for joining us. Hello. No worries at all. Lovely to be here virtually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did uh, my first in real life podcast last week, which was a totally new experience for me. I'd never really thought that they'd be that different, but but we're back on Zoom for this one, so I feel more comfortable on Zoom. <laughs> I think it was very different doing them uh, doing them in person, but. We'll be breaking down every, everything that happened in the game, obviously. Um, I think looking particularly at Hayes' switch to, to a back four um, and maybe how, how she brought a bit more structure to this team after after the Liverpool game. Um, we'll chat a bit, I think, about how, how City kind of brought themselves into this game and maybe why it wasn't so much of an attacking performance as, as we might have expected. I think, you know, lots of people saw how rubbish City were against Villa and maybe thought we should just come out and blow them away. But we'll get into a bit of that. And and then there's also going to be a, a lot of love, I think, for, for the eighth wonder of the world, Lauren James. Uh, but first, let's start off with our three-word match review. Got some great contributions from Twitter here. Um... Courtney at Courtney Stith saying better than before. I think we can all agree on that one. Uh, Janique, Janique is unique. Marin hates Manchester. Uh, Addie Joseph, clumsy but competent. Serena just going with the simple and Katrin Berger. I can get on board with that. Um, I, for mine, looked to see if Lauren James had a middle name because I wanted to go for a similar vibe to that. But she doesn't. I've had to come up with something different. Um, so Abdullah, do you want to kick us off with uh, what's your three-word match review? Oh, I think... Um... I, I've been thinking about it. The I've been thinking about it for a while, and the only thing I keep coming down to is Erin um, is Erin is amazing. I mean, for me, Aaron like it's it's I Erin I, is amazing. I mean, I just I just want to I'm going to keep harping on that every single week because it's just that 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 she's just seamlessly slotting into that midfield as if she's been playing there for years and. At the moment, in my opinion, it's it's keeping that team together, at, at least in midfield. It's allowing people to do kind of stuff around her, you know, and she's keeping it in there. And, and that's not something I would have thought she'd have done 18 months ago. I just want to point out, in case anyone didn't see my tweet, that I texted someone on the morning, on Sunday morning, saying... Oh, I wouldn't mind seeing an Aaron and Jesse double pivot and what Jesse JBH asks for, Emma Hayes provides. So my my influence is unparalleled. Um, Molly, I, I gave you a heads up on this. I didn't want to put you on the spot. So so I know you've been uh, preparing over the last 20 minutes or so. What is your three-word match review? Well, I'm glad you gave me a heads up. Let's put it that way, because I would have been <laughs> just like radio silence. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm going to go with disjointed but winners. And I think Emma Hayes was quite honest um, after the game. She talks about the fact that you could probably see both of these teams lost last week. 
And you could probably see that it's still quite early in the season. There were players kind of figuring out the formation, figuring out their kind of relationship with each other. And I think I had a little look on Soccerway before the game and the last time that Chelsea had lost two league games in a row was like July 2015, I think. And like whatever happened with City in the first half, you just knew City were going to lose. But it's because you knew Chelsea were going to win. And I think they just have that mentality where, like, two losses in a row in the Brussel would be like, I don't know what Emma Hayes would do with herself. So, <laughs> so I think you sort of you sort of knew that they were going to win it, even if there were kind of areas where they could improve. I think kind of not from a kind of Chelsea fan point of view, I suppose I was I was a bit disappointed with and you know I'm literally the biggest fan of Frank Herbie in the world but I think there were a couple of times where she could have taken a shot a bit quicker I think there was the one where Steph Horton had an absolute shocker um, against Sam Kerr I think again like if they were really in that rhythm they'd have taken that shot and it and it could have been done earlier than it was so I think it's just about you know Emma Hayes is Chelsea doing what Emma Hayes is Chelsea doing, which is win. Yeah, and I definitely think being back at King's Meadow was was a big boost for that, you know, to to be in front of a sold-out King's Meadow for, for what ended up now being our first home game of the season, obviously, because Stamford Bridge one was was cancelled. I, I kind of agree with you, Molly. There were points where it felt like City were, were coming into the game and, and putting us under pressure, but I always just felt like it felt good it just felt right even if it even when stuff wasn't wasn't quite clicking um but I do think it is you know I think Sam Kerr is that offside goal last week being being called offside I I wonder how much that might have impacted her her confidence I don't think we've really seen her season get going yet um but uh I'm gonna go with uh my three word match review will be please stay Gareth because I used to hate playing City so much. And I've got to be honest, over the past couple of seasons, it's been a lot more pleasant than it used to be. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, the Chelsea Women Supporters Group were singing Gareth Taylor, we want you to stay. I can't fit that into three three words. So please stay Gareth is my homage to that to that chant from them. Um, but yeah, getting into the match details, obviously we're playing Manchester City uh, on Sunday the 25th of September in the WSL at Kings Meadow. 2-0 win, a 42nd minute goal from Frank Herbie, lovely team goal to be honest, uh, and then a 78th minute penalty from Marin Mielder, which filled me with just so much joy to see Marin stepping out to take, a, to take a penalty again. It's been so long, I had people asking me, oh, like, why is Marin Mielder taking taking the penalty? I was like, she's our designated penalty taker. She's just not been on the pitch to take them for the past two years. We had that exact conversation in the press box. Someone said to me, like, why is Marin taking it? I was like, yeah, she does take penalties. She's just never on the pitch. But then, Yeah, like, I was doing... I, I don't know about her... Penalty record, like I can't say I've looked up on it, but I feel like she's pretty solid from the spot, isn't she? Like she's pretty reliable. I can't remember her missing one. And I was doing the maths on the Liverpool penalty last week. And I was like, I think Fran's our fourth choice because I think normally it would go Marin, then Menely Leupoltz, who's obviously out, then Penila Harder, injured. So I was like, that's not a bad four to have. But yeah, Marimielda, it, it was a fantastic penalty as well. There was no way Ellie Robock was getting anywhere near that one. And then you put Jesse as number five. Or Jesse Sam. can take a nice cold penalty. 
Yeah, Jesse could take an ice cold Fanta tea or Sam. Sam's not quite as cool as Jesse, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse is ice cold, but yeah. The teams? Yeah, go Um, through the teams. The teams. Um, Right, so what Google says is a 3 4 1 2, but I really, that's be real. It was a 4 4 2. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe because they're they're claiming that Jesse Fleming was playing at like right wing back and Kirby at left wing back and Mail. Everyone is obsessed with Frank Kirby playing left wing back. Every formation wing chart back. this season is said to Frank Kirby's playing left wing back. They're adamant they're going to make it happen one day. Uh, but yeah, we had Anne Katrenberger in goal. Great to see her back for first start after after everything that's happened. Uh, a back four of. Uh, Marmiald at right back, Millie Brighton Buchanan in the middle, and Magda Eriksson at left back. Um, the midfield four was uh, Guru Wrighton, uh, Aaron Cuthbert, Jesse Fleming, and Lauren James. And then you uh, pretty much had uh, Sam Kerr and, sorry, rather James in midfield and Kirby and Sam Kerr up front with Wrighton on the left. Um, so that's a pretty, pretty solid lineup, 4 4 2. And it, and it looked pretty. Uh, it looked better as the game went on. And off the bench, we had Sophie Ingle, Eve Perisse, Neve Charles, and a, literally a minute cameo from Kennerud. <laughs> uh, Molly, we're going to obviously talk about some of the the tactical elements of this, but um, it was great to see Anne Catherine Berger making a start, wasn't it? Um, almost unbelievable, really, that she she was starting for Chelsea. It was remarkable, and I think sort of from a. a Firstly, I think obviously it's fantastic to see her out there from a just a personal sort of point of view. You know, it's fantastic for her, it's fantastic for the club. But I remember when the news came out that um, her thyroid cancer had had sort of recurred, and it's one of those really strange sort of rare situations that you get in football, where, as you guys will know, particularly Emma Hayes does everything so far and ahead, and everything is planned out. And it was like, oh shit, what do you do? Like your first choice goalkeeper is like out and you don't know how long she's going to be out for. It's not something that you can really like plan for or anything like that. And I know that Satira is is a really highly rated goalkeeper and lots of people, you know, think she's great. But I think it's fair to say she's fairly untested in the Women's Super League because AKB is so good that she's always the number one. So I think... It was one of those where you wondered what might happen going into the season, but touch wood, um, you know, she was she was fantastic yesterday and hopefully she can stay that way and stay healthy, most importantly. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I just found it, it was really interesting, sort of, if you could go behind the scenes when that all happened, you'd be like, how do you even react to that as sort of a manager? Because obviously your first concern is AKB. But then you've also lost like a, and I, and I know there were rumours about Nicky Everard, the, the Belgium goalkeeper, potentially coming in the transfer window. And it's so difficult because, you know, do, do you buy someone that realistically needs to be a decent keeper to come into a club like Chelsea? But then obviously the AKB is back now. So you you almost have to gamble in a sense of whether you thought she'd be back or not. And it's quite a, quite a unique situation that I suppose come out of something that was obviously, you know, hugely disappointed for AKB personally yeah I mean it felt very Chelsea very Emma Hayes that I think lots of people obviously assumed that this was going to be maybe much more longer term than potentially the club 
already knew and not like it's like Emma Hayes to fudge what injury news looks like but um yeah as she likes to kind of surprise everyone with when people come back and it was a very complete AKB performance lots of you know great saves taking the ball really well and almost looking like she was about to kick it into her own net at several points so she was well and truly back for Chelsea Football Club um running through some of the stats uh 12 shots for Chelsea 15 for City three on target for Chelsea Five for City. Um, City shots were, were weird. Um, just uh, there's a stat, which was that uh, Opta Joe, Man City had 12 shots in the first half, the most Chelsea have faced in the opening 45 minutes of Barclays WSL game since September 2013 versus Notts County. And when I saw that stat, I was just like, they had some I how many shots? Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I remember like, Two. I just remember Bonnie Shaw being good, and right then everything else sort of. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Only Watson, and it's true because like City were, they did do all right, and they were a lot better than they were against against Villa. That's for sure. But it felt like if something were going to happen, it was going to come through Bunny. But then like Laura Coombs just pops up, and we were saying this last night. Every so often, there's like a renaissance of Laura Coombs. <laughs> And you sort of forget she exists a little bit. Like, she's, she's just that, like, England midfielder that you're just like, oh, she's still at City. And then every so often she gets a run in the team. Like, she scored twice against Villa. She hit the post yesterday. You know, like, actually, she's, like, actually really solid, but you sort of forget she's there. Yeah, and I think she's she's ended up in this position, right, where Gareth Taylor clearly really trusts her because, you know, she stayed on the pitch at Villa, she stayed on the pitch here, she looked puffed. Like, I was like, you need to take this woman off. Like, she looks knackered. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really remember any of that. I remember Dana Castellanos, like, just whacking a couple from ages out. And I was like, wow, this is the first time I've seen Dana Castellanos in real life. And she plays exactly how everyone said she would play. Um, so just a couple of the other stats. Um, Chelsea with 57% of possession to City's 43%. Um, which I guess is kind of surprising. We don't normally see... You know, Chelsea goes so high on the possession uh, against City. Um, eight fouls from Chelsea to 11 from City. One yellow card for City, which was Lalo Harby. Four offsides for Chelsea. Classic. Uh, and only one Chelsea corner, but nine City corners. So definitely a strange game, I think, in how kind of the eye test went versus the stats. Um, a couple more fun ones. Uh, Frank Kirby scored 30 goals and made 19 assists in her last 32 WSL starts, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Marimielda scored her first WSL goal since the 11th of October 2020, which was also a penalty versus Manchester City. And Chelsea are the first team in WSL history to beat Manchester City three times in a row. Uh, love all that. So... With that, we will take a quick ad break and when we are back, we will get into the game itself. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, please rate, subscribe us. Give us a shout out if you're enjoying our women's episodes. Obviously, the Premier League is back this weekend. Um, this weekend, crazily. Um, I get so confused with the men's women's international break. So the boys will be back doing their boys shows. We'll be here midweek as well for the West Ham game. Um, so please listen for that. But I think the place to start, Abdullah, has to be this lineup and and this back four. What what did you make when when you saw the team sheet? Did you think, yeah, this is definitely a back four? Did you think we were gonna get some kind of weird Lauren James wing back scenario again? Yeah, I, I I was I was part of that 
that whole are we is she trolling us again like last week or is it a back three but is it really a back four and it took me maybe about 15 minutes uh to kind of figure out okay no i i, I after about 10 15 minutes i was like no it has to be a four because you're not playing mielda as this faux wing back center back she doesn't have the legs for it so you'd rather wanted to play in a more of a fixed position like you're just going to play a right back you're not going to play like a right winger so um yeah to me to me i think eventually it it took me a minute but it was like yeah i think i think it's a back four and 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 it but it was it's again it's one of those things where you're like does it all really fit together you sure what's there i mean if it's confusing for us i mean i don't know what it's like for the opposition team to look at it and go are they playing a four or a five or are they playing a three or are they actually playing like this inverted wing back that's actually going to play it's like a third center midfield and they actually don't have a wing back and it, 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 this whole thing can really change and we've we talked about last week it's a good thing and a bad thing um in that Yes, you can confuse and you can you can keep the opponent guessing, but at the same time, do your players get it? Like, do they, you know, if they have to keep changing positions and, and moving in and out, um, you know? But I think I think at first I was like I was I was unsure about the Mielda pick because I was like Mielda versus Lauren Hemp is, uh, you know, I mean, unless you're going to play like Mielda, you're just going to sit and you're not going to move forward, and your task is one on one defending against. Um, against uh hemp but then you could have you you could have gotten um jess carter to do that we've talked about her 1v1 ability so i think yeah i think when it first came out i was i was like i wasn't sure about the lineup and formation but then as the game went along i was like okay maybe i can see what's happening but it still wasn't like particularly uh uh satisfying yeah i thought we were gonna see jess carter that was kind of what what made sense to me because I feel like last season it was her performances against City and particularly against Lauren Hemp which I think re- were really what elevated her and people's minds as being like this is a defender who we should would take seriously Molly what did you make of of seeing Marimielder in this lineup you know she was making her first WSL start since March 2021 and and do you think we're gonna see this back four from from Emma Hayes moving forward? I think the Mielder selection kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier about kind of winners. And I think when it comes to a game like this, where realistically for City, I suppose they could lose it because you you don't really see them as title challengers this season with everything that's happened in the summer. But for Chelsea to be in the title race, like you can't really give up six points to Arsenal this early. And I think as much as Hayes tries to play that down, I think she knew that and she knew she needed to win this one. And I think... Although, you know, Jess, I I did find myself thinking yesterday, like, I feel sorry for Jess Carter because she had a great season last season. And, you know, clearly Serena Wiegmann, who is quite hard to get into that squad, you know, it's not easy to get an England call-up under Serena. You know, she trusted her and brought her in. And, you know, speaking to her in the summer, she sounded like she had a great summer, great experience and would have gained a lot from that. And I was surprised we haven't seen more of her. But I do think that, Maybe Hayes kind of recognised that game as, you know, I trust Mielder, she's got that big game experience and that's something she highlighted after the game. But I have to say, going back to the formation thing, it's an absolute nightmare doing Chelsea games because you just sit there, see the team come out and you're like, what is this defence? What is this midfield? And I always come back to um, Emma did a live, there was like a live Righty's House podcast. Um, Don't know if any of you guys heard it. And it was her, Righty, Ryan Hahn, um, Musok Wonga. 
And part of it, they were talking about formations because um, obviously they, they kind of moved to, to that different formation last season. And she basically said, you guys get too obsessed with formations and formation is fluid. And I think you saw that a little bit yesterday because although it was a back four, at times it can look like a back three. And that's that can be what's so confusing when you're trying to actually write down what the formation is because you'll look up and at one stage it's like clearly a back four and then suddenly it isn't. And I asked her, and I'm sure we'll get on to Lauren James later on, but I asked um, Emma at the end, uh, it was a slightly different role for LJ this week compared to last week. Is this one that you think suits her a bit more? And she said, no, it's the same role as last week. She just executed it better this week. But then I'm like, well, was she a wing back then? Because she was definitely a wing back last week. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, I... Maybe we do get too sort of caught up on formations. If Emma Hayes says we do, then I'm going to go with her. Sometimes I think she just does it to mug us off, you know. She's like that, isn't she? 100%. <laughs> but, yeah. I And I, I agree with Emma Hayes. I, I do think we can get too bogged down in formations. I think, you know, they're meant to be useful guides, you know, but they're not they're not necessarily rigid things. It wasn't until... It was when Chelsea were warming up, they always play this little game before before matches where the kind of starting 11 plays against or like half the starting 11 plays against some other people and some of the subs and it was only then that you could like quite see clearly see it was going to be a four and I was like oh like this is pretty obvious um but yeah I thought it was an interesting I, I mean I thought I wrote a bit about it uh today for, for my Substack and I mean I felt really like this game kind of was won on the fullbacks you know that City had these two players who were making their first ever WSL starts. And I think Kirsten Kasparai, like, didn't acquit herself too badly. Leila Harvey <laughs> maybe a bit worse. Um, but, you know, the experience that, that Marin and Magda obviously had and, and how they were able to bring, I think, a sense of calm to that Chelsea backline, I think I think was really, really important for us. Um, Abdullah, I know you won't let me get away with not allowing you to, to talk about the midfield, to talk about Erin, talk about Jesse sitting next to her. What, what did you make of those two? You know what? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, I, th I still think there there is improvement to be made in in in, in the pairing there. But I, I think there is something there. I think against. I think the fact that we saw it sort of work decently well against against City, I think, is is really cause for optimism. Because if this had worked against, let's say, a Villa or a Brighton or you know someone someone along those lines you'd be thinking okay cool this this worked against a mid-tier side but will it work against a top-tier side and the fact that this pairing was chosen for the top for the for, for a game against Manchester City up against you know Lyle Alexandri and Laura Coombs who okay fine fair enough they aren't the most dynamic pairing to go up against so I think Lauren and uh, sorry Aaron and Jesse had had a better time getting on the ball and and defending and stuff but I think there is potential. I, th I thought Jesse played a bit more of the freer role, kind of, you know, moved into the half spaces, played out wide, came inside, kind of was given this freedom with Erin just sitting in deep and protecting her from, from any of the counterattacks. And I think what helped was the fact that I think in general, at least in that first half, it just felt like Chelsea were, were sitting a, you know, a yard or two deeper. They weren't pressing as high. So I think putting that together, it allowed Jesse to be able to step up a little bit more and kind of play kind of in that in the in the not exactly in the final final third but just just higher up into midfield as you're entering into the final third and playing in that area all across combining on the left combining on the right almost like having like this free eight and a half roll which i think worked but 
I think against teams that can punish that a little bit more and can play out of the back better, I think that's where it's going to get punished because City were just like, again, like last week, they weren't great coming out of the back. I mean, it's even though Chelsea gave them the space, and I know we talked about it, I think it was on, on Twitter yesterday, I think we had in our WhatsApp group that even though Chelsea weren't pressing City as high, I felt like City weren't able to capitalize on the space they had from the centre-backs. Steph Horton wasn't great yesterday. I don't know. She's just been off form for the last like six months. So the ball was inevitably going to Alex Greenwood. And Alex Greenwood would just stand there going, all the space in the world, there's no pressure. But she'd just look around going, I don't actually have an option to play out. You know, Wahabi is marked out. Horton's on the other side. You just play it back there. Casper is marked out. So all she had was a long ball into Bunny Short. And when she did do that and it got to Bunny Short, it worked. But anything into midfield was just stopped. So I felt like that alone gave Jesse and Aaron a little bit of the freedom, a little bit of more extra time than they would have had. I like it. I just think I, we need to see it a little bit more against different teams to see whether this is inevitably inevitably going to be the the double pivot or is it Aaron plus somebody else that's going to come in and, and you know make the final double pivot. Listeners, I just want to say I'm very glad we're not on Arsenal Women podcast because Molly Hudson has been sitting with a black cat on her lap for the final of the minute. Abdullah's just been talking there. <laughs> um, but Abdullah, yeah, I totally agree with, with what you're saying. And I, and I thought, Molly, the, the pressing structure from Chelsea in this game was really interesting, right? Because they, they did come out and, and kind of go for it. And I was like, yes, this makes sense. City like totally clapped when Villa did it last week. But then after about 10, 15 minutes, they, they started to sit back a lot more. Yeah, and no, I think it's an interesting one having Erin Cuthbert in that slightly deeper role than maybe we're used to seeing her because I think for a while we've all known how good Erin is as a player. But I think in a squad so t- talented as Chelsea, it's been about like trying to work out where best to utilise her, I think. And naturally that midfield has kind of got a bit lighter with with G leaving, um, I was really sad when I was walking into King's Meadow, actually, because the person in front of me had a G shirt on. I was like, oh, no, we're never going to see G again. Um, but obviously, Melanie's also out. So I think it's 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 kind of left a little bit of a gap there to work it out. But I think going back to Arsenal, as you mentioned them, I think <laughs> I, I would worry of that midfield against, and I've, I've done all the Arsenal games so far this season, um, and that midfield pairing of Kim Little and Leah Volti is just otherworldly. And I'm not sure how well that would stack up to that um, if Chelsea played Arsenal soon-ish. So I suppose they have they have a little bit of time to try and work out what the best kind of solution is to that. And I suppose knowing Emma, she'd probably realise that and maybe she'd change it up for a game against Arsenal. Maybe she'd change the formation or whatever. But yeah, I think I, in that sense, I suppose that's probably the area of the pitch where Chelsea are a little bit weaker compared to Arsenal. It's just that that midfield and how, I suppose, when you watch Arsenal in the big games and if they're both fit, you know that Kim Litter and Leo Volta are 100% starting. I think at Chelsea at the moment, it's still sort of trying to find that balance. Obviously, there's a few new signings as well in that area that I know Emma has said that they're going to take a little bit of time to get used to the Women's Super League and the way she wants to play. So I think, yeah, it'll be one to keep an eye on how maybe that sort of balance develops throughout the season. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because you mentioning Arsenal did make me think of, oh, does 
There are quite there's more than some similarities between Kim Little and Erin Cuthbert as kind of little scurrying, hard working, talented Scottish Scottish footballers. Um so maybe we're just looking for our for our Leah Volti, but they're quite hard to come by, unfortunately. I think we've we've figured out from the transfer market. So but yeah, it's it's an interesting one going forward. I do I like them as as kind of a as a technical technical pair and you know, I think they could develop into into something quite special, but I thought it was quite clear, you know, Abdullah, like, as Chelsea started this game, they weren't looking to progress the ball through Aaron and Jesse. That's not what they were there for. It was all going down through Magda Eriksson and then and then through to Guru Wrighton to kind of try and take on Kirsten Kasparai 1v1. Were you surprised that Gareth Taylor put Kasparai in for this game? Yeah, a little bit, because, you know, I, I would have thought that, you know, kind of the way we talk about new signs coming in to to bring her into a big game like this was it really the right call to make, especially coming up against an informed Guru Wrighton, first of all. And you know, we saw what um, what Guru Wrighton can do. We've seen it last season. You know, even last week she was she was pretty decent, and when she did have the ball in the wide spaces, so it was a little bit of a um, a little bit of a surprise. But I think at the same time, I think. With with Chelsea using Magda Eriksson, I think, and, and Jesse, I was listening to you on another podcast today talking about this. Um, uh, you, you talked about how Chelsea haven't used Magda Eriksson effectively as, as a pro- ball progressor from when she's playing on the left side of a three because they, they, they're always using different angles, using the wing backs, using centre midfield. But I think Magda playing as this left back and she's done it for Sweden as well, where she then becomes this really aggressive ball progressor because then Chelsea can afford to let her go forward and play a little bit higher up the pitch in terms of being able to distribute and using, you know, targeting City's new right back, isolating into 1v1s and especially putting up her against, uh, you know, the double, you know, a double up of, of Magda and Gura, I, th- I think really works. And then that forces against Steph Horton to come 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 inside, come out wide and kind of try and defend the space. And then you've got Samka trying to, you know, get in the space behind. And again, Steph Horton looks like a weak point now in that City back line. You know, if, if you really look at it, you want to be targeting Steph Horton's side. And so I think it was smart to use, okay, we're going to we're gonna target Casper. Maybe it wasn't just to target Casper. It was to target Steph Horton's side. I think that's probably what it was more about because Casper is a decent defender, but if you can force Steph to come in, it just gives... Fran and Sam the space to run in between the two center backs and then again you've got players coming on the other side so I I think in that sense it was smart and then just utilizing Magda's you know ball progression abilities and 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 kind of getting her more into the game than she was last season I think was just a a really really good uh, really good smart move. Yeah, and there were kind of three key chances that that came down that side. Uh, the first one in, in the opening opening minute, where Guru just like I think Millie Bright just pumped the ball long, like from the kickoff, and Guru Wrighton like got in behind and and cut it back, cut it back for Fran, who tried to pass it to Sam, and it was just a bit behind her, I think. And then Sam chased down Steph's back pass, um, and then tried to pass that to Fran, and that didn't quite work out. And then obviously the goal itself came down from there, but. Molly, you kind of touched on this earlier. It doesn't necessarily feel like Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby have totally clicked and, and definitely not totally clicked together. I, I think Fran's look good, you know, individually at, at points. Sam maybe less so, but it feels like those two are, are maybe taking their time to warm up to the season. Yeah, and it's interesting because if you think back to the start of last season, both of them had that sort of extended break, didn't they, that 
that Hayes gave them um, following a kind of pretty busy summer. And it's quite interesting how Fran for England did way more than I think I expected us to do. A lot of us expected us to do because of obviously the fatigue issue. And she seems to have, again, touch wood, come through that. And it's quite interesting that I suppose Fran is the one that sort of hit the ground running, I suppose, this season um, in the team that haven't particularly hit the ground running, let's be honest. So I think it'll be interesting how that's kind of managed throughout the season. I suppose it'll be it'll be a little bit easier when Penilla's back because they won't have to rely so much on Sam and Fran. I think sometimes, I think you mentioned it earlier, Jesse, that Sam sometimes needs that confidence. I remember when she first came to England and she hit everything but the goal. Like <laughs> her movement was incredible, but um, it just wasn't going in for her. And I think, if anything, they were a bit shot shy yesterday. And I suppose that just comes from feeling like a responsibility to kind of to get it right. Because so often for Chelsea, goals just come quite easily, right? They 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 beat teams quite comfortably. And actually, they're in this period where obviously it didn't quite go for them against Liverpool. And then yesterday, it was sort of such a big game quite early in the season. So I think, yeah, I think it will take a bit of time. But I think they just just need to shoot more. Honestly, like you you look at that Steph, not, not, not been great. Ellie Roebuck actually hasn't been that great, which is, it, she, bless her, she had like the worst timed injury in the world. Like had never been injured, then got injured just before Serena came in, missed missed the boat entirely. Mary Earps has leapfrogged her. And I think it, you know, naturally for a young, yeah, she, you remember she, she's still very young. It's going to knock her confidence. So I think yesterday should have just got more shots off. But that's the one thing I would say that when you're watching again to use Arsenal, they're scoring for fun at the moment. Goals are coming from all over, and I think Chelsea certainly have that capability with the players like some of the very best in the world in those front positions. They just need to click, I think. Yeah, I get I get torn on this one. I was really surprised Sam didn't shoot from the, the Steph like poor pass because from where I was sitting, I was almost like directly down her angle and she had such a clear shot of the goal. But then at the same time, part of the reason why Sam and Fran have been so deadly is because they are very willing to make the extra pass to each other to create a better opportunity. It just so happened that on both these occasions, neither of the passes were were quite right. Otherwise, I think they're they're both two certain goals because because the passes did kind of make sense. They were just a little bit behind them each time. But I think the one thing with with Sam at least is I've got no worries that the goals will come up some point even if they are just taking a while to get started it just means we'll see more in the latter half of the season guys it's all fine uh but Abdullah Man City I, I think Chelsea had a good start but then I think after about 15 minutes or so Man City did start to grow into this game and began to put Chelsea under more pressure especially they were the ones then then pressing quite high up the pitch looking to force high turnovers and Bunny Shaw in particular had had a very good kind of 20 minute or so period there and Kadisha Buchanan was a player who who looked a little bit rattled, didn't she? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it was Bordeaux versus Lyon. Lyon you know, nightmares <laughs> coming back to haunt her or something like that. You know, because it just she. I mean, just just from her body language, she just doesn't look confident. It's like the Liverpool game rattled Kitty Buchanan last week, and it's now just it seeped into this game. Even that that foul that she gave away, well, didn't get given as a free kick, but the one just outside the box that almost looked like a penalty. But you know, my heart it, it really stopped at that moment. I know. <laughs> I thought it was a penalty. I thought, oh, great, we've given away a penalty like immediately. And then, <laughs> then the ref didn't blow for the whistle. I was like, huh, did I miss something? Like, have we missed something? No, but it was... And then her face in that moment was just more like, it's just like, I've just gotten away with it. Like, and I, you know, I think Emma Hayes keeps talking about um, betting in new signings. And then obviously maybe she thought Kadisha was was good enough to be able to just come in. But maybe Kadisha is the one that maybe needs a little bit of time to, to settle in and play a few games but yeah no I think I think I think City missed the trick with not getting Bunny Shaw into the game more whenever they did play those long balls or whenever they did get it into Bunny Shaw and she was able to turn and drive at Chelsea's defense it was it worked because they they created chances you know you know we talk about those those 12 shots that they got away and where did they come from because I think most of the time it was they get it into the final third but the most of those shots came off the off the Bunny Shaw movement or the Bunny Shaw uh, the chances. But otherwise, it was it was just like when they played it through midfield, it, it just felt like Chelsea had a lot more time to to um, to kind of set up and and, and block that. But uh, yeah, I think I think City grew into the game as that first half wore on, and 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 but they just weren't able to capitalize. And I think they were just you know we talk about. Chelsea, like Molly said, like Chelsea should have taken shots against Eddie Roebuck. I think City should have. I mean, if we're really talking about City, should have attacked Kiddie Buchanan a lot more uh, because they saw what happened in those couple of chances and they did. I don't think they they took their chance there. I have to say, just on Kiddie Buchanan, as somebody that, you know, I think we're all, well, you guys might be a little bit better than me, but I struggled to, to keep up with European women's football. I just don't have the time to watch it. And obviously, when you watch Leon, you saw Buchanan in the Champions League, which is almost always when I saw Leon. And I personally, I think of all the signings this summer, she was the one I was probably most excited to see in the Women's Super League. I thought this is exactly what Chelsea need. Obviously, Mag is able to kind of move to fullback, perfect. And I think speaking, uh, I've spoken to a couple of people at, at Cobham, and apparently the impacts that that Kadisha has had behind the scenes is already massive. She already brings just this professionalism. She's got such a good temperament. She fitted in really well with the girls. And I think all of that kind of stuff will have kind of made Hayes believe she can go straight in compared to some of those players that do need a little bit more time. And I think, to be fair to Kadisha, she's probably been quite unlucky that how many times have we watched Chelsea last season and they've had relatively straightforward games for the centre-backs and the first two games they've had here have been quite like hectic and not how you'd be used to seeing Chelsea. So I suppose you'd you'd have to think that at some point it will, it will go back to normal and she will have a quieter day. And I think when you see that, I think, she, I think she's another one of those players that you can't worry about her because you know that class is there. You know that experience is there. I think she showed glimpses of what she could do at Liverpool in terms of with the ball. Um, and I think, yeah, uh, uh, again, I'm still really excited to see her. And I don't think the, the two sort of opening 
performances have put me off, even though I do think she has struggled a little bit. Yeah, and I think even in this game, it felt like as Chelsea got more control of the game in the second half, you could see Buchanan's confidence almost coming back within the game she did start carrying the ball forward she you know there were points where like she was the one marauding into into City's um half you know and I was like okay again this is the player kind of we thought we were getting and it's a bit it's a bit like you said Molly as well I think with the chop and change that we've seen Chelsea do with the defense even over these past two games to kind of start the the Liverpool game with a three and then Millie Bright goes off so suddenly you're doing something totally different. And obviously that's when she concedes the penalty. And then you go to this one and, and you're playing a four and Magda Eriksson's now your left back. So I think, yeah, there are naturally things which are just going to come with time as she as she settles settles in. Um but the goal kind of in this in this first half, I think, came at came at perfect time. It, yeah, it was a it was a great goal. Um kind of I think it pretty much came out of the back. I think it came from Kadisha Buchanan, actually. Um playing the ball up to Jesse Fleming, who just like zoomed. <laughs> past Steph Horton and then it was so funny it was like Gura Wrighton kind of came round the back of Kirsten Kasparai and like nicked the ball off right of Fleming's feet to cut it back so I was like quite confused I've had to watch it a couple of times because I couldn't really understand what happened and then kind of Frank Herbie very coolly side-footed it in um so yeah it was a really good goal and I think it kind of summed up what I understand why people have maybe felt frustrated about some of Chelsea's attacking in in both the Liverpool game and this game but I think we've seen moments like that that just hadn't quite clicked. And that was an example of like what could happen when these pieces could click. Um, and yeah, I felt it was a perfect game because like coming into the second half, it just felt like Chelsea were in control kind of from that point onwards, Abdullah. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. And I think, um, like I said, the introduction of Sophie Ingle, I think just, you know, I, I think you've said it before, like when when the game was in motion and things were going back and Chelsea were trying to regain control a little bit more, Sophie Ingle is a really good, and again, you said this earlier today, Sophie is a really good closer of a game. And she's really good at just, when, when you know you've got a lead, it's there, you need to preserve it, you just need to bring some calm, some composure to a midfield and to kind of help close the game out. Sophie Ingle's the perfect player to come in and kind of just dictate play, get those simple passes going, get it in and out. And I think... That was obviously what was required at the time. Um, so you know, you know, for me, that's 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 probably the most important thing. And and I think these are these are the sort of changes and moving adjustments that Chelsea are going to need, you know, as the season goes on, because you're going to have other games where they're going to be under pressure and um, and, and going to need a lot more. Um, they're going to need a lot more uh, control. And this is when you need a player like this to, to kind of come in and, and, and do that. But uh, yeah, no, I think, I think um, based on that, maybe, maybe, you know, and, and City were desperate to come on and, and try and try and score some goals, right? Because time's ticking. They want to score some more. They need to create more chances over the 12 shots that they had in the first half. So, um, you know, Chelsea sitting back a little bit more. They were, they've always been really good on the counter attack. So I think you know they probably could have scored a couple more. But yeah, I think that's that's pretty much. City looked quite stagnant. I thought in in the second half, Molly. Were you surprised that we didn't see any changes from Gareth Taylor earlier in earlier in the game? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so so after the game yesterday, we had um, Emma Hayes come out first, and and I think. She she said that she felt like her team were quite tentative in the first half. And then the second half, she was like, well, City just stopped pressing. 
So we didn't all like, although Chelsea did raise their game, it's like City's also lowered. And I think particularly in that kind of midfield area, you said Laura Coombs looked like she, looked like she was blowing. I think because they'd worked so hard in that first half, that's where you wanted that those subs to come sort of around the hour mark just to put those fresh legs in there. And I suppose that is the area that, you know, City lost their entire first choice midfield in the summer. So clearly that's a, a weak area. Um, but then then we did ask um, Gareth Taylor about that and he... He was sort of like, well, I felt like the players on the pitch had the rhythm, which I don't know. I'm not sure they did. And like I, they had the rhythm in the first half. You know, uh, I think you can you can't say that his selection was wrong as such because they they did all right in the first half. I just think they did need those fresh legs, and I think particularly when you're playing against a team like Chelsea, and you absolutely know how big that squad is. Emma Hayes is going to use their five subs because why wouldn't you? And it was like LJ, who, let's be honest, probably isn't as fit as some of the other players considering all the fitness issues and pre-season stuff that she's had. Like, she just got better. And it was like those. It was like she got quicker, but I think it was that everyone else around her got slower. And it was really, really noticeable. Um, she was kind of on the side of the press box in that second half. And she was just waltzing through people. And I know she did do it in the bit a bit in the first half, but I think it just sort of highlighted that you needed somebody that could sort of go one v one on her and just stop her doing that. And City had no answer for that, really. Yeah, I did start to feel quite sorry for Leila Harvey. Um, obviously, she conceded the penalty as well, which wasn't really anything to do with Lauren James. But I just wondered whether her head had slightly gone because her hands were so high in the air for for that that moment, and it was so unnecessary because I don't think that shot was going anywhere near the goal, probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is maybe a good good chance to to talk about Lauren James. Um, it for me, the game changed and when I started feeling more confident about Chelsea was when she kind of got a bit let off the leash it felt like in the first 20 minutes or so she was very much like on the right hand side and she was not getting the ball and I don't know if it's something Emma said I don't know if she decided she was enough and is enough but then I suddenly saw her and I was like why is Lauren just kind of like wandering across the pitch to like stand on the left? I was like, are they switching? And I was like, no, she's just like decided she's going to, she's going to go and get the ball. And then from there, she she was absolutely everywhere. Molly, you were talking before we, we started recording about, you know, the, the year and the time where we didn't see Lauren James, but is this Chelsea really getting the rewards from, from having that patience and saying, no, look, we know this player, we know best and we're going to wait for her to be fit. I think it's testament to all of the staff that we probably don't see and don't get enough credit is those behind the scenes because I think we saw Lauren James come to Chelsea and what, you know, I was one of those that went, is it really the right move for her? You know, she's this young talent and she's in such a big squad. Is she going to play? Like when you're at that age, you need to get minutes. And we saw, you know, at United, she was getting those minutes when she was fit. And I think it was quite... a I don't know if it was a bold call because Emma Hayes has been in management long enough to know and to, you know, when Emma Hayes says something, you listen, you don't question it. But it was quite a bold call to say, you know what, I'm literally not going to play you this season. You just need to sort of go over there, work on your fitness, kind of use all of our staff and our expertise, our strength and conditioning, 
nutrition, physio, get yourself right. And I think that also probably shows the the high regard that Chelsea had for LJ to to kind of sign the player and then not use them for a year. You wouldn't bother going through that whole ordeal unless you thought they were like a really talented person that like was going to be a key part of your team going forward. And I think, you know, I think it was a shame we didn't see LJ last season because ultimately you want to see the best players in the Women's Super League. And on her day, she is one of the best players in the Women's Super League. But quite clearly, you can't fault what they've done because they've it's it's working. And I think I said before the season, like she's the kind of breakout star that I want to watch this season. And God, she has lived up to it. Like it in two games where at times Chelsea have not looked good, LJ has looked really good. And I think she just has that vibe about her that she's like, she's bigger than you and stronger than you and better than you. And she's going to show you. And she's just <laughs> like, and she's not actually that much bigger than them. Like I was watching her yesterday and you kind of get that vibe of her. Like she's that older kid in school, but she's almost not. It's her technical ability that makes her look like that. And, you know, she's quick. She's strong. She's already finding those little pockets and those little connection with teammates. I mean, she she posted the picture after the game uh if you look on her Twitter of the, the back hill that she did in the second half. And like, I think there's times where players can, can make those moves and they're done kind of, it's a bit of throwaway skill or whatever, but the way she did it, it felt, I can't remember who she passed it to, but it felt perfectly in their path. And it was like the perfect kind of, it wasn't a waste, you know, she wasn't showing off. She did it because it was the best way to get the ball from A to B and to carry on that attack. And I think for a player so young, that's pretty impressive. And I think there are probably bits of her game that she needs to improve. I think she had, she had two shots. There was one that went just over the bar and there was one that I was convinced was going to be a goal because we were kind of sat behind her watching this run. And it that sort calls. of went... Yeah, and it went straight into the arms of Ellie Roebuck. And like that's where you're like that run, all that work you've done, that deserved a better finish. But that will come, you know. And I think it, as you say, she it was almost like the shackles were off. It was like once you'd done it once, it was like, oh, I can do this, and I can do it in this Chelsea team with a bunch of really talented people around me. I can still be that good. And I think it will take her a little bit of time because that has to affect your confidence how how long she was out for and all the kind of issues that she's had physically. So I think to have that proper pre-season behind her, to have the trust from Emma to start those two games, I think that'll be massive for her. And I think, you know, Serena Vigman's name in her England team this, this week and I'd be very surprised if she wasn't in it. Yeah, and I think, you know, what's been really nice seeing LJ at Chelsea is obviously there's all the stuff around Reese and you know that's obviously really important to her and the club and that's great but I think you've really seen over the past year like her build relationships with the squad even when she's not playing like I know she's obviously really close with like Frank Kirby and Maren Mielder it's very cute um and when you're talking about Kadisha Buchanan coming in as well I think she's obviously someone who Lauren James has been spending a lot of time with and and that's really fun as well for all of them and I think that's why you're also seeing a level of comfort from her in the team is that she's built all these relationships and she obviously feels really welcomed in in the squad whereas I think maybe there was a bit of a narrative because she wasn't playing that it was a bit like 
she'd been frozen out, which is understandable, right? Because we weren't seeing her and famously, no one at Chelsea ever talks about this kind of stuff, really. They like to keep it under wraps. So that's why those narratives kind of take hold. But yeah, I think we're just seeing like great kind of, yeah, reward for that. And I think what's exciting and there are aspects of of her game to improve on, but what I've been really impressed by is I felt like when she was at United, there are occasionally times where sometimes like she was maybe dribbling for the sake of it or she'd overdo it or she'd like make the wrong decisions and like decision making is like number my number one bugbear in football which I know is stupid because if I was a footballer I would make terrible decisions but I'm not so I can get annoyed when footballers do make terrible decisions but in these two games I just feel like almost every time she's made the right choice it's not always come off maybe how she wants it to but I'm never there thinking oh you you needed to not take that last player on or you needed to pass there like she's figuring out when to go, when to stop, when to turn back. She does it all with the ball at her feet. There's a there's a bit in this City game where she takes three players out the game because she's just, like, skipping through them. And, yeah, Abdullah, there's, there's a... I think what's exciting is it doesn't feel like there's a player in the WSL like her at all. There's not to say there's not... You know, I'm not saying she's, like, the best attacker in the WSL. I just feel like her profile is so unique. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think I think it just in terms of sheer technical quality on the ball, she's got to be up there as top two, three in the league without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I can't think of another player in the WSL that can control the ball. Um, like her her dribbling and the way she keeps the ball reminds me of, of like Messi, like the way he just keeps the ball. You just you can't you can't dispossess him, and every time he you know he he just gets through tough situations. Lauren does the same thing. She just picks up the ball, and once she has it, you're like. You physically have to rugby tackle her to get the ball because if you do anything else, you're not going to win it because every time she just takes the ball away. And there was a move in the first half, I remember. Uh, it was the one where Sam was on the one-on-one, -on -one, but instead of taking the shot, she passes it to Fran and Fran scoffs it and it gives it to Lauren on the right-hand side. And there was this moment where she had Leila Wahabi and, and Alex Greenwood as a double up, up against her. But then she fainted, the both of them, but just left the ball there where it was. And I was just like, wow, you've done that in the box. And you've just, you've, you've taken a risk or you could get dispossessed really easily. But you just left the ball there. The two of them went one way and then she just kind of fainted the other way. And I was like, wow. Just sheer technical skill and brilliance. Like Lauren James is just out of this world. And yeah, there's nobody else. And I think that's one of the reasons why... I think she'll very likely keep playing until there's a loss of form because it almost feels like she can create something out of nothing. Like she can just pick up the ball at like right wing, be really like lazy or look lazy. And then just suddenly she's boom, she's up on the right wing, you know, gone past three people and she's given a cross and then it's a goal, right? So now nah, I think technically she's, she's world class. This leads quite quite nicely into to our Down of the Match poll, which which was done on Twitter, where Lauren James came out an overwhelming winner with with seventy two percent of the vote, Anne Katrenberger with with nineteen percent, and Aaron Cuthbert taking seven and a half. I I would also give Lauren my Player of the Match uh, award. Molly, would you be doing the same? Yes, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> she's she's the, I think football is about those players that get you, like, off your seat and get you excited. And you, I left that game thinking, bloody hell, Lauren James is good. And that's that's what that's what you want to... That's what you want to feel, right? Whether you're a fan, whether you're anyone that's involved in the game, you want to see players expressing themselves and having fun. And she looked like she was having fun. And like you just said, what's exciting is that 
that's not even the best of Lauren James. There's so much more to come. The the ceiling is so high there. And I think, yeah, I don't think it'll be the, the last time she's she's voted player of the match. Abdullah, though, you are never one to follow the crowd. So you are picking Erin <laughs> Cuthbert as your player Cuthbert. of the match. Yes. Why Erin? Of course, again, I, I, I felt like... Again, another another good performance in that midfield, um, and I, I think she she lets players like Lauren and and Fran and Guru do what they need to do, and Jesse especially, you know, because she's in there doing the dirty work, tackling, running around, protecting the back four, and I think some a lot of the time th- that duty of the number six goes really unappreciated, and I I just I love a number six, and for me that's. That to me, that's as good as a, as a Lauren James performance. For me, they they are on the same level, just with, uh, but on different ends of what they're actually supposed to do. So I have to give I have to give Aaron Cuthbert some love and and basically call him my my down of the match. That's fair enough. We've got plenty of down of the match awards to go around. So there we go. Um, just some quotes from Emma. Uh, I felt we were lucky to go in 1-0 up, but sometimes you got to do that. And I thought our performance second half was what I was expecting. It was much more controlled. We dominated all areas. I thought in the first half we overdid it. We went from underplaying a week ago to overplaying this week. We've got to find the balance, but it is the second game. We just need to find a rhythm. We've had a cancelled game, lost last week. I thought it was resilient from the team. I still think we can create a little more for the quality that we have, but it was a good day for the team in general, which I think is a very fair assessment, all things considered. So just to round up the rest of the results from match day three but was actually two of the WSL uh, Arsenal beat Tottenham 4-0 what a surprise um, I think oh well I would have liked that game to have been more fun than it was but I can't say I didn't think it would go that way uh, Brighton beat Reading 2-1 United 1-2-0 away at West Ham Villa 1-2-0 away at Leicester and Everton 1-3-0 in the Merseyside derby so that leaves Arsenal United and Villa top on six points City Leicester City and Reading bottom on Zero. Um, it's a little bit funny, isn't it? I Sometimes I feel a bit sorry for Man City, but when you see them at the bottom of the table, it does make me laugh. Uh, Chelsea are back on Wednesday playing West Ham, which was, was supposed to be our first game of the season, obviously. It's going to be an interesting one, I think. Obviously, if we win, uh, big if, it means we would be on six points as well and Arsenal would have a game in hand. But the game in hand would be against Man City. So I think that could could have a little bit of an interesting wrinkle because it wouldn't necessarily be that we were chasing Arsenal as it looks like that game. I don't think it's necessarily going to be played for quite a while. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of one to keep an eye on, I think. Uh, yeah, we'll be back to cover that after after the match. I'm going to be at King's Meadow on Wednesday night. But for now, Molly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Glad to hear it. We enjoyed it too. Abdullah, I will speak to you next week. We are about to go on an international break post-West Ham, but I believe we might be able to come back and talk about a Champions League group stage draw, which has come around very fast. It'll be very, very interesting to see who we get. Just, please. We can't get Wolfsburg. That's fine. We can't get Wolfsburg. (laughs) Thank God. We can't get Wolfsburg. I don't care if we get. As long as it's not Wolfsburg. All right. Uh, Chelsea fans, we'll be back later in the week. Until then, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.